are listening to Spurs Cast, episode 469. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining me this Wednesday evening is Project Spurs' own John Diaz. John, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm glad to be back, man. Yeah, I told you it wouldn't have to be, what did you say, like 400 episodes before I bring yeah. you back on? So <laughs> you're back, dude. So this is your, your second time on here. Um, kind of, You know the, the kind of routine. Uh, we'll get into some topics, and uh, we'll, ask, we'll, we'll go through the, the Spurs Twitter questions, then we'll, we'll preview some of the upcoming games. Uh, and that'll pre- pretty much be the show. Um, so Spurs cast listeners, we're going to go ahead and go, go talk about what's going on. Um, discussion, I say what's going on with the Spurs at the moment. So last time Steven Anderson and I, and I spoke a week ago, you know, all, all doom was happening. The Spurs had lost three straight. They ended up losing to Golden State by 20 uh, the next night, which wasn't surprising. A lot of people expected that without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, but then they beat Charlotte by seven points uh, on the second out of a back-to-back. They beat Phoenix by 17 points. And then recently, as of Tuesday, the Spurs... Uh, beat the Clippers by 13 points. So now they're they're four they're they're um, seven and four on the season. Should I say they won three straight? John, what have you thought about the Spurs here? You know they went from four straight losses to three straight wins. Especially that one against the Clippers was pretty eye popping right there. Yeah, that one I, I wasn't expecting that at all. But I hopefully this doesn't become a roller coaster where they win one more and then they go on another big losing streak. Uh, I I love what they did against Phoenix, especially in the second half. And same thing with the Clippers last night. It's kind of nice to see everyone kind of settling into their role and the offense kind of humming and seems like the defense has figured it out a little bit without Kawhi. And now it's just about, you know, riding out the next week, two weeks until he ever whenever he gets back and then we adjust to that. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the second half. That was probably their biggest issue was that with those games they lost like Boston to, to Golden State to um, some of those teams in Indiana, they have these really horrid third quarters where they just could not score the basketball. They'd score like nine points in six-minute stretches or, or eight points. It was just really bad bad offense. And then all of a sudden, they fixed it in that Phoenix game and then the Clippers game, especially the Clippers game. There was a st- stretch there where they uh, scored 26 points in six minutes at the end of the third quarter, which pretty much ended the game. <laughs> I mean, it was I, I didn't think this team was possible of doing that. One thing I also noticed was the, the assists have gone up. During this, um, this the, the last three games, the, the three-game winning streak, uh, they're score. They're they're averaging twenty eight point three assists per game. You know, you saw against the Clippers, they they t- totaled thirty three on the night. You know, those are Warriors type numbers. Um, you know, it shows that when they make shots, they're a very very potent and dynamic type of offense. Um, what 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 have you seen in that in those last three games offensively? Uh, I, I I like what I've seen. You know, first of all, on offense, I love that Powell has been a pretty more consistent distributor, and I think putting Patty in the starting lineup kind of helps too defensively I just think you know it feels like a lot of it's been effort because they've played pretty you know average in in the first half or what you would expect from this team without Kawhi and in the second half they just kind of look disengaged and they just go out there and lay an egg and all of a sudden you know these teams in, in any given night these teams will blow you out in a span of three or four minutes especially in today's NBA so a lot of it seems like it's effort but also trying to be comfortable with the guys that you're with you know when you play Kyle Anderson 32 minutes a game someone who's you know played maybe six seven here and there on on a very sparingly basis you know it takes a while to adjust to those type of things and to get these people settled into their roles yeah that, no that's that's a good point right there um especially like like you mentioned with, with the with the role players you know getting some increased responsibility and trying to find that routine and role uh one guy one guy who's playing really well right now in these last three games is rudy gay he's scoring he's averaging 18 points a game in these last three uh what have you seen from him is do you think he's getting more comfortable he kind of looks like their their second go-to option right now aside from aldridge aldridge on the offensive end 
Yeah, I think, you know, he, he's kind of been plagued by uh, what a lot of people co- go through when they come to San Antonio, where they don't want to take over too early. They don't want to seem like a ball hog or try to score too often. And I guess, you know, it's kind of been drilled into his head that, hey, Kawhi isn't here. You need to play that role of score, even if it's off the bench or when you're on the floor, or if you're going to start, whatever it is, that you are the score, you know, one of the primary scoring options. And he may not want to step on anyone's toes, but if he can get going early, especially now that he looks like his former self, it's only going to benefit him come, you know, April and May. Yeah, no, th- those are those are really good points right there, especially the, the part about, um, you know, be trying to trying to figure out himself where he's most comfortable, especially before Kawhi gets back, making sure he knows where to go. And there's going to be an adjustment again because he's going he's to move it on to the third tier as their, as their third leading playmaker once Kawhi does come back and Alder to obviously go to the second spot. So, th- so that'll be something to watch. Um, some news, though, out right now is the Spurs' injury updates. You know, they have four players that have some injuries. So let's go through some of this news. Um, you know, I was at the game on Tuesday against the Clippers and Coach Pop, you know, let in some details finally on, on the Kawhi Leonard situation. He basically says that he's recovering a lot more slowly than they anticipated. Um, for some reason, the, the rehab and Kawhi just are, you know, connecting. He says he's, he's doing OK, but it's, it's just definitely not at the rate that Tony Parker's um, recovering at. So, like, you know, we get these press releases from the Spurs that, that Tony Parker's practicing with the Austin Spurs in San Antonio. He looks very much closer to getting back. You know, you're starting to see him um, with the media when they're allowed in at practice. He's there shooting jumpers or doing some drills. Kawhi's, you know, not, not, not there at all in any, any of that stuff. So from what I'm hearing from Pop and how they're going to kind of ease Kawhi back two on two, then three on three, then five on five, et cetera, into a scrimmage. It sounds like I, I honestly think maybe like mid-December would be more of a realistic type of expectation. Uh, his sister, though, apparently this is on Twitter, so, you know, it has to be true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she she uh, apparently runs his fan club on Instagram, which I was I was unaware of. And you had a pretty funny tweet when you said uh, watch for all the click stories on, on the next day. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, maybe a lot of people, the, the people that do those click things uh, didn't see that post. But yeah, so <laughs> apparently his sister runs this fan page uh, on Instagram and she had put that that um that he, he's returning to the court um next week now we don't know if that's the practice court if that's an actual game court because from what pop said yesterday it kind of feels like it's like a mid-december kind of return now it doesn't look like i don't even know if he's gonna play at the end of the month what have you what have you thought about Kawhi and and his um injury progress right now i think when we started the season if you would have told me that tony parker would probably be back before Kawhi, i would have looked at you like what are you drinking and smoking <laughs> uh, I, I had my own source inside right before media day tell me, hey, Kawhi is injured, but it should be kind of, you know, just to start the season, nothing too crazy. And now we're kind of seeing like, oh, wow, Thanksgiving would maybe be the earliest, if at all possible, until his sister posted that thing on Instagram, which I checked this morning was now deleted. So I wonder yeah. if she got reprimanded for that. Um, but, you know, hey, take take your time and come back when we need you. NBA season pretty much starts after Christmas anyway. So, you know, as long as he needs to take to get all sorted out he's had those issues in the past especially with his with his knee and his quad and stuff so definitely not trying to rush him back especially after what he went through in the playoffs with his ankle you know it seems like once you get one leg injury everything else falls apart you know that's like your foundation right there uh with tony on the other hand it's kind of weird how they've been shuttling him back and forth i get that you know austin's been in san antonio practicing a lot more lately but it's just kind of weird that the Spurs don't have him on, you know, at least practicing with their guys. I know, you know, especially in the six game homestand and which also makes me wonder why is Austin practicing so much in San Antonio, but I'll get to the bottom of that myself. So 
<laughs> that's about it. <laughs> I, I was wondering that too. Part the part about you mentioned about Austin practicing. I'm like, why are they? You know, the Spurs are. They have a six game homestand. They're going to be practicing tomorrow. Why are the Austin Spurs there? I mean, it, it's almost like are they forcing them just to come just to help Tony work out? Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm really curious about that because you know they've practiced. They play in Cedar Park, but they've practiced. I think at the convention center in Austin, and you know, I know they played. Uh, they play in the Valley tonight, so unless that drive is easier from San Antonio than it is Austin, I guess, but it doesn't really make much sense to me when the Spurs are in the middle of a homestand and you've got Austin coming in here and taking up the practice time. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, and and just like you, I think Parker is definitely probably going to come back before Kawhi, what it looks like right now, you know, let's, until we see Kawhi actually hit the floor and from what Pop said where he doesn't want to rush him back. I think one of the biggest things that Pop did say, though, in, in his statement about Kawhi and Parker is that he wants them both mentally ready. You know, the, the doctor can say, OK, you're good to go. Like they basically cleared Parker ready to play basketball. But from, from what Pop says is that he wants them both mentally. You know, you want to be able to take some hits, you know, be able to, to, to get that speed burst off those, those injured legs that you're coming off of. And so I think that's definitely going to be it's, it's more a mental approach that the Spurs want to make sure those two guys are ready to you know, take some hits and and be engaged in basketball at, at 100 percent speed before they, they put them back out there. Um, some more news is uh, Joffrey Laverne. Um, he had he had rolled his ankle against the uh, Toronto Raptors in like the third game of the season, and he's expected now to probably return this week. Could be as early as Friday against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know that was reported by Jabari Young of, of the San Antonio Express News, and you know Jabari, and uh, Joffrey has looked. You know he's he's been shown in practices. You know shooting some jumpers and and being more engaged. He was working out with Tim Duncan on a Wednesday at practice. Uh, so so we, let's just uh, exp- um, anticipate that Laverne does come back. On um, Saturday, Friday or Saturday, you know, the Spurs have a back-to-back. Do you think that Pop kind of gives him his role again where he was – because Pop really already talked about how they, they miss him a lot. They've had to play smaller. But do you think that Pop kind of gives him his role right, right back and lets him just you know take, take over with that second unit? I, I feel like he would because you know that second unit is going to be really vital, especially once you get Rudy set into his role and once Patty has to go back to the bench. He would like you know Joffrey to know his role a little bit more coming off the bench. Um I, I haven't seen much of him, but I know he's been getting more comfortable, and he's he's looked a lot more comfortable, you know, slowly trying to figure things out and stuff. So it's really it sucks that he got hurt now, but at least it's early in the season. He'll still have plenty of time to catch up and get acclimated with the new guys and stuff. But I, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't get his role right away. I know, you know, playing smaller and playing Brandon Paul and Bryn Forbes is good to get those guys experience. But Joffrey's going to be one of those eight rotation guys that you have come playoff time. You need him to get all the minutes he can with the, with the set core that we have. Right, for sure. Um, the next guy let's talk about is Derek White. So the Spurs put out a press release earlier this week where they said that he had fractured his right wrist uh, in, in uh, while he was on, on, on assignment with the Austin Spurs. So, so Pop mentioned that he's going to be in a cast for about four to five weeks coming up, and they have not put a timetable. So I, I didn't get too much information on that injury. Was that something in-game that happened, or was that kind of, I, I don't know, like a travel issue, or what happened there? Yeah, it was something in-game. I missed when the actual injury happened, but uh, someone that was actually there in Austin watching the game live you know, replied to me and said, yeah, he looked like he was holding his wrist walking off the court right at halftime, uh, which was kind of like startling to me. You know, He was already struggling as it was, and I figured that, hey, maybe you know, he's not going to play in the second half because he's going to be back in San Antonio. I think the next night was the next Spurs game. And it's not the first time something like that's happened where you, you know, San Antonio assigns someone to Austin and they just don't, they flat out don't play the second half. But, you know, it was something in game. I didn't see what exact play it was, but, you know, it really sucks that he's finally, Austin, those minutes are going to be detrimental. You know, losing those minutes is detrimental to his development, especially so early. And him being an older player, you'd like him to know the system and, 
you'd like him to spend as much time with the G League guys running an offense as much as possible. So we'll see how long he's out. And, you know, it, I, I'm kind of getting ahead on our on our pod, but I, I feel like we, one of, I know one of the questions we have is, you know, who's the heir apparent to TP? And he's in that conversation too, but now we won't really know what he brings to the table until he's back and healthy and getting those minutes. Yeah, and it also reminds me a little bit of how Murray had a struggling first year. Remember the groin injury? Murray was always, uh, you know, having that issue. So so you're right. Those are key minutes, especially early in the, se- early in the season to kind of, for a point guard to kind of get, get that con- that confidence in the G League, learn the system, um, become more, um, you know, more uh, balanced in, in running the sets and getting everybody involved and then also being a little bit more aggressive on your own end as a scorer. And that's something White's definitely going to miss there. Now, but luckily for the Spurs, they have some really uh, point guards playing pretty well. And then again, Patty Mills is coming back. Um, I mean, not Patty Mills. Uh, Tony Parker's coming back pretty soon. So, so they're kind of okay. And if they would need to, in an emergency, they can, uh, they can bring up Darren Hilliard, Hilliard as well to play some minutes at the one if they, if they really had to. Um, the last part, John, for, for just our general discussion is uh, let's talk about Brent Forbes here. Um, you know, back in the Summer League, he was tearing up Summer League. There was a hashtag going around called Hashtag Summer of Bryn. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. I tweeted a few times as well, um, and it's kind of turning into the season of Brin here as of late. As far as like role player, you know, he's not obviously going to be an all star, but he's had some really strong play as of late. Uh, so for the season, let me just read you some stats here. Uh, he's averaging five point nine points per game. Uh, he's shooting forty six percent from the floor. He's taking two threes a game, and he's knocking down forty one percent of them, which is above league ad- league average. He's only playing thirteen minutes a night. Uh, from the mid ranges where he's really key, he's 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 shooting eleven of twenty one. 52%. He's able to create his own shot a little bit more this year, um, especially you know when the defense closes out on him and, and really takes away his shot off the screen. Uh, here, here's the biggest part for him, though, is that right now, you know, last week I kind of grilled him a little bit, and, and I was I ended up being very, very wrong, which I will apologize for a little bit when we get to uh, one of the Spurs Twitter questions. <laughs> but, you know, the numbers back him up. You know, we see it, we see it on the floor that our, our eye test shows us this guy's a crazy shooter. He's, he's, he's not, he's lights out. Any open three you give him, he's going to make it. He's kind of creating off the, off the dribble on his own now. But then defensively, it's starting to show as well where he's not, he's not a, ne- a minus actually, you know. So in 139 minutes, these are real minutes now on the floor. He's a plus, the Spurs have a net rating of plus 8.9 when he's on the floor. When Bryn, Bryn Forbes is off the floor, they're minus 2.8 points per 100 possession, which means they're actually worse as a team when he's not playing in the game. Uh, and his defensive rating, just his alone, when the Spurs are there, is a 98.1 points per 100 possessions. Um, in his last five games, he's been playing 19 minutes. Ever since that Warriors game, you've seen, um, actually since the Celtics game, you've seen Pop increase his, his, um, his minutes. He's averaging 10.8 points per game. He's shooting 50% from three. And he's playing more so, not as a point, but at the 2-3 as a, as a wing, according to cleaningtheglass.com. So, John, what have you thought about Bryn's... Um, progress as of late you know when when he was in austin last season you could tell that he can shoot lights out and even though the spurs and you know in austin they used him more as a one and murray at the two which i thought was interesting and that would probably you know project better career-wise for him especially given murray's height and his defense but i feel like the two is the perfect spot for him just because he doesn't distribute well I think he's, he, he averages something like two assists per 36 minutes, and you can't have that in a point guard in this NBA. But, you know, like you said, he creates really well, and he's a good mid-range shooter. The defensive metrics are there, but I, 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 you might know better than me. What, what's the best lineup he's in, you know, best five-man lineup? Because I feel like he's probably paired with some good defenders to hide him a little bit easier. Yeah, he's on the floor a lot with Aldridge, with um, Danny Green. I know that for the most part, and those are two of their better defenders right now without Kawhi. Um, and he plays a lot with Patty as well. So Patty, you know, obviously Patty's not not a not a stalwart defensive, but he's a good you know energetic defender. And and one thing about it is that 
you know, in today's NBA, there are, there's no more Kobe Bryant's. There's no more, um, you know, those, those guys, those, those all-star type, except for James Harden. And Bryn's never going to get that type of matchup. So when you're playing as a two or a three, you can guard a lot of guys who can't create on their own that are just three-point shooters. Bryn's okay doing that. You know, I, I think that I was, I was pretty hard on him after that Celtics game because um, it was Terry Rozier who was kind of taking him to the hole a little bit there. But Terry Rozier is a little bit more of an aggressive scorer for the Celtics. So in the, in the last few games that he's been playing, Forbes, he's, he's actually guarding some guys that, that don't have that much um, responsibility on offense. And that's why I'm saying he's surviving. He's, he's actually okay uh, defensively. And, he, you know, he can be a plus on the floor if he's in that type of role. Yeah, yeah. He's carved out his niche really well. But I, I don't want to get too high on him, especially since he's still not – even on a guaranteed contract until I believe what January. Yes, January tenth is the date. Yeah, and you know, God knows what's going to happen injury wise, buyout wise before then. So it, it's not like he's he's carved out his little his spot on the role you know, on the roster, and he's got a really defined role right now. Uh, but obviously, that's not going to last long once this team is fully healthy and probably come playoff time. And it it kind of says a lot about what the Spurs think about him when you see Brandon Paul getting just as many minutes, and if not. You know, as, as getting called up a lot more to come in because Brandon Paul, we've seen it. He has that defensive side of the ball to him. He, you know, he plays a lot better defense than Bryn does, and he's just as good of a shooter apparently. So, th- those are kind of little shocking details that we've seen in his game early on. So, Bryn might want to, you know, as long as he keeps up the stellar play, he's going to be great. But I don't want to get too high on him yet. <laughs> yeah, especially in the span of a week. I mean, I saw it just two weeks ago when I was like oh, super high on the Spurs. They were 4-0 and to start the year, and then all of a sudden <laughs> they just fell apart. And then, <laughs> and then the sky's like, falling. Yeah, the sky's falling. So, yeah, you're right. You know, we can't we – can't, it's only – th- literally it's a five-game sample so that, that size that I just read you, and you can't get too high or too low on it. Um, but we do, we do need to see just, you know, how, how he does it with those coming minutes. Okay, now SpursCast listeners, we're going to move on to the Twitter questions that you all send us using the hashtag SpursCast. Uh, the first one comes from at Ali Pop. They write, who do you think should be the heir to Tony Parker, Bryn Forbes or DeJounte Murray? Um, personal stats and effect on team play would be nice. Now, I've already read you the Forbes' um, recent stats. I'm going to go ahead and read you Murray's, John, real quick before you answer the question. Um, so on the floor, he's their Spurs are still a plus 4.9 net rating. Um, in 254 minutes when Murray's on the floor. So that, that's a good thing. That's actually st- stabilized all year so far, even though he's lost his starting job. And when he's off the floor, the team is, is um, minus 4.0 points per 100, 100 possessions, which means the team gets a little bit worse when he's off the floor. That's, that's um, statistically. Uh, he's averaging 8.5 points per game, um, six, 6 rebounds per game, and then 3.2 assists and 1.1 steals. So just I'll, I'll let you answer that question. Who do you think is going to be the heir apparent to Tony Parker? Then I'll take it after you. I, I think it's still DeJounte. Um, I know he leads the team in turnovers, and he's probably, I think, fifth or sixth in minutes played, so that's not good. That's not what you want in a point guard. But he still has more of a total package compared to Bryn, so I still think he's the point guard of the future in that respect. Uh, something I'd like to see DeJounte do this season, and I, I don't want Spurs fans to get the wrong idea when I say this. I would like to see DeJounte go to Austin for maybe five or ten games once this team is healthy just to see how he would fare as the primary ball handler and primary scoring option. Because, you know, a lot of his baskets, he, I think ha- more than half of his baskets come within 10 feet of the basket. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see him expand that role into a lot of jump shooting, and, you know, more three-point shooting to see if he's developed his shot in that respect and to see if those assist numbers go up. You know, he's got the rebounding and he's got the cutting and slashing and, you know, he kills it around the rim and he's still good defensively. But I want to see him, you know, be able to handle the ball and protect the ball before I start, you know, anointing him the next point guard. Because Derek White could develop a lot faster. He's a lot older and more mature. 
And if he has the skill set to go in there, he could take over DeJounte's role real quick and maybe push DeJounte to a two guard. No, I, I totally agree with you as well. I mean, just and just for the sake of this question, um, I would say Murray as well, just because you know he's 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 very raw still. He's a lot of potential. You saw in those first three games how when he has a lot of confidence in himself, when when obviously when the defense is, doesn't have the scouting report on him, um, he, he can be a really big guard for a one. Um, you know, he was really locking down Kyle Lowry in that game. He would switch a few times on DeRozan. Uh, but then, you know, it looked like in week two or three, he just kind of lost his confidence a little bit. And that's when, you know, Pop eventually pulled his starting job. And as of late, he's been coming off the bench and he's, he's been doing OK, you know, in the minutes played. Um, you know, they haven't been too spectacular in the open court. He's so, he's very dangerous right now. You know, he gets the ball out there. It's almost like an automatic layup or he, he even had an alley-oop dunk. It's just in the half court, though, when he's running the pick and roll, teams just back off of him. And and you're right. It would be interesting to see maybe if they send him to Austin for five to ten games to say, hey, dude, work on your jumper, work on taking a lot more shots, um, especially coming off screens, because that's where teams are leaving open. And until he makes them pay, they're not gonna they're not gonna respect him, and they're gonna continue to take away the rim from him. But as far as going forward into the future, I would still say it's Murray's as the as the future of the point guard, just because of you know all the untapped um, uh, potential that he has he has within himself. Uh, and then it's also not a fair question for Forbes because I think that you, Pop's showing you right now that Forbes is more of a two or three, kind of like a Gary Neal. He's, he's not really he's yeah. not really a point guard, and, and so to say he's gonna take over Tony Parker's spot, who's a point guard, I don't think that's fair to Forbes. Okay. Our next question comes from at Spurs in the six. They ask, uh, how upset should the Bryn Forbes fan club be with Paul and Steven after (laughs) episode 468? So as I mentioned, um, Steven and I were not kind to Bryn Forbes last week, especially Steven. He was going after him. Um, you know, he was, he's the one who brought up the cut, the, 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 the roster, um, um, uh, waiver date for, for Forbes. And he kind of, you know, and, and at that time I was coming off that game against Boston where I really saw that he did hit a few threes, but then on the other end, he was getting shredded on defense. Now a week later, he made me eat my words. He had a 22 point game, I think against Phoenix or Charlotte. Um, he, he did very well in those nine minutes against the Warriors, even though it was a blowout. Um, and then, of course, you saw what he's, what he's been doing in time. He gets an open three. And then numerically, the, the numbers are backing him up right now. So so since this is more of a question for me, Bryn, I do have uh, the Bryn Forbes fan, clubs, fan club. I do apologize to you for that statement Stephen and I made last week. Or <laughs> Stephen has to take it back on his own. Uh, and we will see. Again, I'm not going to judge it on, on a – he's had a great week, you know, five games to four games here. But I'm not going to judge his whole season just yet. You know, we have to see more of a sample size um, – yeah, so that's how I'll answer that question. <laughs> Did you have anything to say in there? In there? Uh, if if the Bryn Forbes fan club, specifically Gareth and Spurs in the Sixth, wants to be mad, Stephen has three Twitter accounts, and they are. <laughs> I'm not going to list them and do Stephen like that, but yeah, like you know, it's easy to say that after this week, but I would still like to see Bryn closer to December and January to see if he keeps it up because you know he he's a tremendous shooter. You can't take that away from him and. Pop gave him the green light in summer league last year, and he's lived up to it. He knows that his the way he's going to carve out any kind of career in the NBA is to just keep shooting, and he's done that. So he, he's a tremendous asset, and I would I wish Spurs fans would stop calling him Steph Curry light. Oh, he's yeah. more like Gary Neal light at this yeah, point. More Gary but, Neal. Yeah, more Gary Neal. Yeah, more Gary Neal than anything. But hey, you know I, I'm happy for him, and it's good to see him doing well, especially you know someone that. I, I was kind of like one of his biggest defenders coming out of training camp. I really wanted to see what he could do. And I've seen it. I'm ready to move on, though. I'll say that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the credit to him, though, he's not, you know, he doesn't look as bad as Gary Neal, you know, was um, right now, especially like the numbers backing him up. And then even Gary, you know, in his first two years, he had a real role in the Spurs. You know, he helped him. He was uh, he was in there against Miami. I remember in the finals in 2013. Um, 
So let's move on to the next question. Uh, it's by at uh, Bounce Passos. This is uh, actually Bruno Passos of uh, PoundingTheRock.com. Uh, he's been doing the Spurs games here for, P- for PTR in San Antonio. So he's, he's a cool dude. I've gotten to know him uh, pretty well. Here's his question. He says, which unrealized talent wasting away on another roster would be your choice for the Spurs' next reclamation project? And why, why, why is it not Mario the Beast Hazonia? Wow, I, I love his own and I would love for San Antonio to come bring him in. And you know, I know he has you know people question him defensively, but usually it just seems if he's not locked in or not motivated, you, that's kind of like the, been the knock on him. He's really inconsistent offensively, but the athleticism that he displays, he's got the shooting touch, and he's he makes some tremendous passes sometimes that just kind of like leave you speechless. So I would love it for you know to be his own to come in here. I feel like I don't know what the hell Orlando's doing that, you know, that has kind of like hindered his development. But get him out of there, please. And he's a talent that I don't want to see go to waste. As long as you know, I don't want to hear any more Spurs rumors with Jaleel Okafor <laughs> or gonna, Greg Monroe. We're gonna get to <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and you know, uh, I think the the other one would be um, Miritich. Uh, but I think the issue with Miritich, he's already twenty six, so he's kind of like maxed out his development. We've seen with what he is more of a stretch four, stretch five off the bench. Um, but my, my biggest issue at Miritich is you, <laughs> you get punched in the face and your teammates are already siding with the other guy. <laughs> we, we don't know exactly what happened in that fight, but the fact that they're already like Bobby Portis put up a double, double and you know, two unnamed players come out and say, yeah, we'd rather have Bobby. You know, you already seem like a locker room poison. That's not going to survive in San Antonio. So it's definitely not Miritich for me. Yeah, um, I, I would also agree with Hazonia too. You know, he enters free agency next summer as at the age of 20, 23 only. I was very high on him coming out coming into the draft. Um, he's, he's, he was playing overseas, um, I think, in the Spanish league before he came to to the, to the NBA. And you know, this year Orlando's playing well, but they don't have him in the rotation. He's barely he hasn't even played a hundred minutes yet. Um, you know, the first three or four years of his career, it's been t- terrible just because they've been you know like a lottery team. They've been terrible as well as a team. The organization, the way they've been run. Remember they um. They, their their former GM before they fired him was the guy who like had all the players that they were looking at leaked on that on that draft board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, there's just been a, a dysfunctional organization the last few years. This year, it's good to see that they are getting it together. You know, they're a fun team with Jonathan Simmons there now. But um, as far as Hazonia, you know, if you can't make it in San Antonio, it means you're not an NBA player most likely. So so that's probably his best test would be to sign with the Spurs, probably either um you know on on a on a lower tier offer or like maybe even the better minimum. Since he'll only be twenty three, and and just give him a shot, and I think he's either going to go, he's an either, he can either turn into Davis Bertans type, you know, four four uh, three, or or you know he really has that untapped potential as well, where he can be so athletic, he can make all those crazy passes, become an actual player, and it would be good to see um, the Spurs uh, try him out if if he were to, again, it would be on him to try to sign with San Antonio, San Antonio having interest in him, so that that's an interesting player to watch this coming summer where he ends up. Our next question comes from at Giant Steps. They ask. Rudy has played really well in Kawhi's absence and looks great as a small ball four. Where does he play when Kawhi comes back? So, so far, according to cleaningtheglass.com, Rudy has a, a usage of 22.8% of the Spurs' possessions, which ranks 84th among all, wing, all, among all forwards, uh, which, is, which is right there in the, you know, the top 15, basically. Uh, and he's playing most of his minutes at the 3-4 spot. Um, so, John, where do you think that Rudy would play if Kawhi were to come back you know, pretty soon here? I think that his role is going to be, you know, a three off the bench, maybe a four in crunch time. Uh, you would love him to, you know, be able to stay in that role just because if LaMarcus gets in foul trouble or Kawhi's injury comes back, 
you know, or, or even or Powell's in foul trouble, like any kind of those things. You would love to see Rudy stay at the stretch five and play that three four role because I'm I'm pretty sure you the best crunch time lineup would be some kind of you know either Tony or, or Mills with uh, Danny Green, Kawhi, Rudy, and Lamarcus. I, that kind of lineup with that offensive firepower and for Rudy to be able to defend the four you know, with his age, athleticism, and injury history, that's kind of perfect for him. So I think he's pretty much good where he's at. Yeah, same here. I think that even when Kawhi comes back, he will continue coming off the bench, like you mentioned, and he'll play a lot of minutes where um, it's going to be combos of of Kawhi, he, and LaMarcus on the floor. So LaMarcus at the five, Rudy at the four, and Kawhi at the three. And as you've seen already a few times here, Pop has actually played Rudy Gay as the five for a few minutes in certain games, and so I would be interested to see, even see some some lineups with like Rudy at the five for 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 a few stretch for a few minutes and Kawhi at the four. So so I think he'll still have a, have a good um, role, good a good chunk of minutes. Pop's going to try to keep him on the floor as much as possible, especially alongside Kawhi and, and Lamarcus, just because he wants to have his three best scorers out there, and especially the fact that Rudy's showing that he can create in the post, he can shoot spot up jumpers, he can be a pick and roll um, ball player, he can get to the free throw line. That's something they've been missing is that third guy, and it'll be on Rudy to see. I mean, we'll see from Rudy if he can make that adjustment of becoming not 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 going from the second guy now, but now going to the third guy when Kawhi does come back. So that'll be something to watch. And, and something good about that, too, is Rudy would take a scoring load off of Tony Parker because, you know, the, it's always been that Tony needs to be the third guy. And as he, you know, advances in age, to put it nicely, especially now coming off the injury, you would like to see Rudy take over that third guy. And if it puts Tony into just more of a distributor role, that that's perfect. You would have still Kawhi, LaMarcus, and Rudy sharing the ball. And that's still a pretty potent lineup to deal with today's NBA. No, no, definitely. I, I totally agree with you on, on that point as well. Moving on to at Giant Steps, they have another question. They ask, um, where is the ideal spot for Patty, and how do we get Bryn Forbes minutes, more minutes? What happens when Tony Parker comes back? Uh, before you answer this, I would just say that Forbes is more of a 2-3. He's not really a point guard. So, again, he's not fighting with Patty or or, 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 or Tony for minutes. He's more, uh, it's Patty, Patty's role comes down to Tony versus Patty versus DeJounte. So, John, what do you think happens with um, Patty, that, that point guard, that, that three-headed monster of Patty, Tony, and DeJounte when Parker does eventually return? I, I think, you know, you'll keep Patty with the second team. Uh, Patty may still outpace Tony in minutes just to keep Tony fresh for the playoffs and to not risk any more, you know, a setback of injury at all. Um Ideally, closer towards the end of the season when we start getting into the playoffs, I think the best spot for Patty is going to be running a lot of two-guard lineups like they, they did before Tony went down with you know Tony and Patty in the same backcourt. Uh, in terms of getting Forbes more minutes, maybe <laughs> what was the thing that the, the Sixers did with Joel Embiid the other night when they rested him load management? <laughs> Put Tony Parker on load management and give Forbes <laughs> more minutes that way. Yeah, I mean, it for it, it's it's a tough question. I think that since Pop's already gone, take kind of putting Dejounte in the second unit, and he's kind of giving the starting unit to Patty for now. I think Tony, when Tony comes back, he gets the starting spot again. Pop mentioned also something that we didn't mention was that Pop said Tony's our best pick and roll player. He had said that uh, on Tuesday before they play the Clippers. So you get Tony as a starter. You have Patty as your backup, like you mentioned. Um, Forbes is again competing with Brandon Paul. He's competing with Danny Green and Manu for more minutes in his part. And he will get some of those minutes when, when Manu has a lot more rest games. And you're seeing that on any second night of back-to-back, most likely Pop does want to rest Manu um, at the age of 40. And for uh, DeJounte is the guy who, who, who gets interesting here because it, it, when Tony comes back, if he's not playing well, it just, you know, Pop's just going to keep him on the bench even more. He, he loses a lot more minutes. But if he is playing well, like he's, trying to, he's kind of getting a swagger back these last few games. 
uh, it becomes an interesting, uh, you know, debate as where you know who who does get more and more more of those minutes either at the one or even Dejounte playing some some minutes at the two. So I think that that uh, Parker definitely starts when he when he comes back, and then Patty goes uh, to the bench. Um, our, our last question here comes from at Greco Suave, and you had kind of mentioned this earlier. Um, it says, uh, they ask, do the Spurs have any legitimate interest in Jaleel Okafor? Now, Okafor is 22 right now. Um, he's, pro- he's, like, he's considered the, one of those reclamation projects where it just hasn't worked, worked out in Philly. There's a chance that he could become a free agent this season um, if, if the Sixers and, and his camp agree to a buyout. So, John, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to say no to this, but what would you say about Okafor and the Spurs with interest in him? I feel like the only way the Spurs get him is if he's actually bought out. And it seems like Philadelphia's hesitated. They spent a third a third overall pick on him. They're not going to want to buy him out and just let someone else develop him on their dime. So, of course, I think the Spurs would have some legitimate interest if he's on, on a buyout and just a free agent. Um, or also if there's an injury. You know, he's still at that stage where he can, it, with the proper development, he could turn into a nice NBA player, but... It seems like everyone's kind of soured on him. And I I already saw someone linking him to Detroit, too. So I, I think that would, you know, that's kind of interesting to have him behind Drummond, especially with a lot of the talk about how, you know, Drummond seems to be not not as great as everyone had kind of figured. So we'll see. But I don't think the Spurs have any interest that whatsoever. Yeah, me either, even if he gets the, uh, the buyout. And the part about it is that, you know, I really I recently watched an interview with him uh, where he basically was saying that publicly that he wants to buy out is that he wants to play like he wants a real role he wants real minutes and that's something pop's not going to give you you know especially what, what you're not it's not like you're an all-star you're a guy who's coming in with um, terrible defensive issues is, is, is your background um, you're a low post low post scorer where that's a position that doesn't really uh, exist too much anymore in, in the NBA unless you're one of the go-to guys like Aldridge or or somebody else like a Jokic or somebody like that so um, I, I doubt the Spurs would have interest I think he go to a team that's kind of not winning as many games and he just want want to get a where he can actually have some minutes and they kind of make him one of their focal points on offense. So I, I would probably say no to the Okafor possibility. Yeah, he's still young enough where he could kind of like retailer his game and, you know, set himself up to at least stretch the floor a little bit more. But with his defensive issues and, you know, just being a low post scorer, you're not really going to get too far around here. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I agree with you on that point as well. Um, the last part, SpursCast listeners, uh, John and I are going to preview the upcoming week. So before I record uh, SpursCast episode 470, I think the Spurs will probably have played four games. So, John, the way this is going to work is I'm going to read you their opponent, uh, that team's record, where they rank in their conference, their offensive and defensive um, metrics. And then what I want you to do is just not, not tell me a score, but just tell me who do you think wins the game, Spurs or that opponent. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of keep track of, of your of your predictions, and then we'll see how you do. Last week, Stephen and I had said um, the Spurs would go two and two. We ended up being wrong; they went three and one. Um, so, so they actually did. The Spurs did better than we had predicted. Okay, so Friday night, the Spurs play the Milwaukee Bucks. You have the what, pretty much a lot, what a lot of people are saying is one of the MVP favorites in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, Eric Bledsoe will most likely be making his his Bucks debut against the Spurs on that night. Uh, the Bucks are four and six. They're struggling here. They're twelfth in the East. Their offense is actually top 10, 107.1 points per 100 possessions. Their defense, surprisingly, with all that length and all those limbs and all those guys, they're, they're, uh, they're 29th in the league behind only Cleveland at 109.5 points per 100 possessions. So, John, who do you think wins that first game um, Friday with the Spurs and Bucks? I, I think the Spurs pull it out just because I, Milwaukee's been so awful defensively, and it, it's kind of just mind-blowing. But they're slowly starting to get it together, it feels like. 
And I, I love keeping track in Milwaukee just because for selfish reasons, I have Giannis on my fantasy team. <laughs> nice. So, so, you know, seeing some of the stat lines he's put up has been kind of like eye opening. But then you go look and you see their four and six and their defense is so terrible. And, you know, how they played Cleveland the other night, especially since Cleveland seems like they can't beat anyone. Uh, so I'll, I'll give that game to the Spurs unless, you know, getting ahead, unless the Spurs decide to go. Hey, rest against Milwaukee. We've got the back to back and then play our main guys against Chicago which I don't see why they would do that, but yeah. Yeah, I'm picking the Spurs in a win as well um, for a few reasons here. You know, even though Bledsoe's making his debut, we don't know how many minutes he's going to play. It's going to take some time, you know, 10 to to 15 games for him to actually get adjusted to their system, to their players. Uh, And then the Spurs this season, they just don't have issues with teams that are really bad defensively. It's it's the teams that are good defensively that really make it tough on them since their offense is obviously ranked 19th San Antonio's. So I I would give that win as well to the Spurs. Um, You know, they they, even on the first night of a back to back, they were up pretty much 20 points on the Warriors. And obviously the Warriors are the Warriors. So they were able to make that offensive comeback. But um, I don't think I wouldn't have faith in Milwaukee if the Spurs build a big lead to be able to, to to make a comeback in that in that way. It will be interesting though to see who you know how many defenders they throw at Giannis. You know, obviously I think Kyle Anderson and Danny Green get the bulk of the minutes. Even Brandon Paul I think gets a lot of action. But I think that they will try to um, force him to take jumpers and also kind of make their help defense aware of where he's at at all times on the floor. The next game, John, is um, it's a back-to-back like you mentioned. Um, it's uh, Saturday against the Chicago Bulls. They're in San Antonio. The Bulls are 2-7 and seven on the season, 14th in the East. Uh, offensively, they're the worst offensive team in the league, 94.2 points per 100 possessions. Defensively, they're, they're, they're 15th, uh, 103 points per 100 possessions. Uh, who do you think wins this game? Uh, I think one of Chicago's wins is against Atlanta, who is somehow <laughs> worse than they are. So I'll give that to the Spurs unless they decide to rest literally everyone on the roster and give Matt Costello a starting a starting nod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you too. I, uh, Spurs won that game probably. You know, they beat the Bulls already. They were up by I think 15 points in that first game. Um, so so they should be okay there. Uh, then uh, the Spurs get two days off. Then Tuesday. They they go they finally go on the road. You know I, I've kind of had a little bit of fatigue here being at the arena almost every night these last six <laughs> games. Uh, but the Spurs do go to Dallas um, up north up thirty five uh, next Tuesday. The Mavs are not doing very well either. They're two and ten. They're the worst team in the in the Western Conference, fifteenth uh, ranked right now. Uh, offensively, they're twenty fourth, ninety nine point nine points per one hundred possessions. Defensively, they're twenty eighth, one hundred nine point one points per one hundred possessions. Uh, I, who do you have in that game, John? Yeah, I'll, I'll give that to the Spurs, even though Dallas just beat, I forgot who it was the other night, but they actually, you know, eked out a win. Oh, Washington. Washington, Washington. yeah, that, that's who it was. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll give them that one, but God, I, I feel so bad just watching the Mavericks and seeing how Dirk's career is ending. It, it makes me kind of, I, I know that they'll, they'll probably never trade him or buy him out to let him try to go chase one more ring, but man, I, I'd really like to know what the hell's going on in Dallas. Yeah, and you know, you look at that, and then you compare like what what happened with Tim Duncan the final few years. You know, Timmy's like last three years, he's like competing for almost, he's still competing for championships basically. You know, and then you watch Dirk. I mean, even if there's just no way they turn this thing around, it takes like three years to become like a pretty good playoff team, and and even like you know make that type of progress. And I just don't see them on that track right now. Um, So yeah, I have I have the Spurs in that game as well, uh, winning that one pretty easily. Then the following night, next Wednesday, uh, the Spurs go to Minnesota for the first time at Minnesota, should I say? Uh, the Wolves are seven and three. They're third in the Western Conference. Their offense uh, is seventh in the league, one hundred seven point seven points per one hundred possessions. Defensively, they're twenty seventh though, one hundred eight point two points per one hundred possessions. John, who do you think wins that second night of a back to back with the Wolves and Spurs? 
So I, I think what's funny, you know, I, I'll admit that I, I feel like I was a little wrong on the over-under when we talked about earlier in the season. Milwaukee, I mean, uh, Minnesota seems pretty good so far. That being said, four of those wins came with one possession. Yeah. And I think the, one of them was by two possessions. So the fact that they could go either way, you know, I'm not totally sold on them yet. And that's just me trying to hold out that my prediction is right on their over-under. Um, that also being said... It seems like the target center or wherever Minnesota plays now, if it's still called the target center, I don't even know. Minnesota is a house of horrors for San Antonio. And just because I don't want to go 4 no, I'll see the Spurs lose to Minnesota. Okay, I'm actually right there with you as well. Um, no, you can't do that. No, no I already have my, my picks, man. So, uh, yeah, I actually had, the, had a loss as well, just for a few reasons here. Um, it's weird how I had my expectations very high for the Spurs, even without Kawhi, and then they just lowered them last week. So I think that I, I can't – normally I would pick the Spurs to win this one as well and just go 4-0, but I just feel like they are going to drop a game here, and it would probably be this game. It's the second out of a back-to-back, as we mentioned. Um, you know, and, then, and then the Wolves, you know, especially like you mentioned, when San Antonio's in, in Minnesota, they, they, they just don't have a pretty good history of playing, there, playing very well at that time. So I'll go in and take Minnesota in that one. So, so we were both predicting that by next Thursday – the Spurs are probably going to go three and one on the schedule, so they should probably be ten and five, which is not bad considering they probably still won't have uh, Kawhi Leonard here. Okay, Spurs Cast listeners, uh, thank you again for listening to episode four hundred sixty nine. Um, make sure that you follow John on Twitter. John, can you please uh, provide your Twitter? Um, uh, what is it? Count. Yeah, uh, by John Diaz, as always. B Y J O H N D I A Z. I always get weird looks when I say that for some reason because I have an email account with the same name, so I, I have to spell it out. Um, but yeah, keep up with me and trying to cover everything Austin Spurs related, especially this season with the amount of talent on that roster. So if anyone wants some G League tweets, I'm there for it. Or how awful the Packers are this season without Aaron Rodgers, which is not a surprise to anyone if you've actually watched that team. So yeah. <laughs> all right so there you go so definitely check out john's john's page um he's always tweeting during spurs games and also like, like he mentioned he, he he's the reason why we were able to keep up with the austin spurs he does a great job uh covering that team uh make sure that you keep sending um any of your questions to hashtag SpursCast. uh visit at project spurs at uh, at league underscore nba at the spurs cast and at project spurs network uh visit all of our sites that, that contribute to the spurs uh project spurs.com analyzing the league.com spurs on six.com which is the site that john was referring to um, that covers the Austin Spurs. And then, of course, our new site, ProjectSpursNetwork.com. And again, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. John, thanks. thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. And you know the rule for the next time I'm on, right? That's a trilogy, and there, for trilogies, there are no rules. So <laughs> right, keep that in mind. I will keep that in mind. All right. Uh, for John Diaz, my name is Paul Garcia. Have a great Thursday. This is coming out.